Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome back to this week's episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee. I'm your host, Amanda Nally. Just a quick reminder that registration for our annual meeting is now open through the end of February. Seats are limited in our new virtual format, so don't wait. Head over to www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C dot org, to save your spot at the table. This episode, Dr. Rolanda Lister, the TIPQC Officer for Health Equity, is joined by Jackie Rosenthal from the CDC's Department of Reproductive Health to discuss their new Hear Her campaign. The Hear Her campaign supports CDC's efforts to prevent pregnancy-related deaths by sharing potentially life-saving messages about urgent warning signs. Let's jump right in. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. We are so delighted to have Jackie Rosenthal from the Center of Disease Control to talk to us about the Hear Her campaign. I will give you an opportunity, uh, Jackie, to just kind of introduce yourself and tell us how you got involved with the Hear Her campaign, and I'm hoping that we can have a great conversation. Well, thank you, Dr. Lister. Thank you for inviting me today. I'm really excited to be here. As you said, my name is Jackie Rosenthal. I'm the communications lead at the Division of Reproductive Health at CDC, and I'm also the campaign manager for the Hear Her campaign which is a campaign that we've been working on for a couple of years and we recently launched last summer to raise awareness about maternal warning signs and try to reduce maternal mortality and maternal morbidity and complications from pregnancy-related causes. So thank you for having me. Definitely, and and such an important topic as well um, regarding maternal morbidity and mortality. Um, how do you see the Hear Her campaign being situated to impact these goals? Thank you for asking that. So just as background, in case some of your listeners don't know, there's about 700 women in the U.S. who die every year from pregnancy-related complications in the U.S., and The really tragic thing about this is that we know from data and from studies that we've done with maternal mortality review committees that about two-thirds of these deaths may be preventable. So really raising awareness about the warning signs, um, empowering women to speak up when they know that something's wrong, seeking treatment, seeking care is going to be critical to reducing some of these deaths. You know, we're very, very interested in empowering women to really advocate for themselves. And that was kind of the goal of the campaign. When we started working on this, we really wanted to see how a communications campaign might help support the work that the Division of Reproductive Health at CDC was already doing around addressing maternal morbidity and mortality, and also about addressing disparities. Because unfortunately, as you probably know, Dr. Lister, um, there's considerable racial disparities 
in this area, American Indian and Alaska Native and Black women are two to three times more likely, respectively, to die of pregnancy-related causes than white women. So just raising awareness and, and trying to address those disparities was very important for us. So when we hear the word hear her or hear the phrase hear her rather, who is the audience that it's directed to? Like who should be hearing her and who's not hearing her? And how does that kind of interconnect with the racial disparities and ethnic disparities that we may see? So we're really working to reach pregnant women, women who were pregnant within the past year. So postpartum women and support networks, including the partners or family, their friends, We're also in the process of building out more materials for healthcare providers that interact with pregnant and postpartum women. So our primary audience is really pregnant and postpartum women and their support networks. And our secondary audience will be the healthcare providers that provide care. But it's important that we approach the issues from all sides. So really the campaign is about empowering women to speak up when they have concerns, but also making sure their friends and family and providers are really listening to them taking those concerns seriously, because we know from a lot of our research and we know from a lot of anecdotal conversations that women sometimes feel that something's wrong, but they, they're dismissed when they share concerns. They're told that, of course, you're tired. Of course, you have a headache. You're pregnant or you just had a baby. But women really know their own bodies better than anyone else and can often tell when something's wrong. Um, so we really want to encourage people to really, really listen, really hear her. Acting and, and, and getting the care they need um, could really help save these women's lives. So how long has the Hear Her campaign been going? You know, was this like a epiphany idea or, you know, like who, who rallied behind this? Um, how did it all get started? So... Addressing pregnancy-related complications has been a priority for the agency for a long time. There's been a lot of work in the division going on. And as I mentioned earlier, we thought that there was a role for communications. And we thought we could elevate the issue by raising awareness and trying to educate women about the warning signs. We felt that if women were more educated and could speak more educated about their own symptoms. Like we absolutely don't want to put all the burden on the women, of course. Um, but we felt that if they understood that certain symptoms could indicate higher risks, they'd be better prepared to talk to their healthcare providers. So we we felt very strongly that communications could come in and help amplify the work that we were already doing. So we started doing some of the work, the background work for this in 2018. I mean, we did literature review, we did formative work, we talked to a lot of partners because there's a lot of partners out there working in this space. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we were working in tangent with them and collaborating with them and so that everybody was messaging on the same so that we wouldn't confuse um, what the messages were. So we knew we wanted to be collaborative with partners already doing this. And that's when we decided to partner with the Council on Patient Safety and Women's Healthcare, which is an organization that, that works with ACOG, to develop the list of urgent maternal warning signs. So we wanted to be consistent. And once we had that, we spoke to a lot of experts in the field. We had this idea that raising awareness of the warning signs and really listening to women and hearing their concerns were the messages that would 
be most needed and would most resonate with the audience. So after that, we worked with an agency to create some concepts. We did some formative work to make sure that they all resonated. And then we did some production and ended up launching in August of 2020. August of 2020. So yeah, uh, recent. It seems like pretty recently. And how were you able to do that in the middle of the pandemic? Yes, the campaign was successfully launched in the middle of the COVID pandemic um, with a suite of resources, including five CDC websites, testimonials, a Facebook page, social media, some action guides. Um, A lot of the materials that we launched with were available in Spanish, and we're very, very proud of that. Um, We feel that that's one of the successes to date, that we were able to release this in, in the middle of a pandemic, and also in the middle of a very active political season and a period where there was a lot of social unrest and a lot of attention on other issues. So we actually wavered for a little bit because we we didn't know if our messages would get lost. But what we ended up deciding is that women still needed this information. Preventing maternal deaths was still a priority and that it would be well received. Yeah, I think that definitely speaks to how this particular topic has been elevated mm-hmm. and prioritized. And I think Uh, the leadership of CDC is to be commended for putting this front and center as a not next year, not next week, but something that needs to be discussed and addressed now. And, you know, it it wasn't just CDC. It was also the department, the the Surgeon General had a maternal action plan. There's a lot of partners, very important partners that have been very involved in raising awareness and amplifying these messages. So I think it was definitely a collaborative effort and a collaborative partnership. Definitely. How would you define a success? You know, how would you say that we've reached our goals and what does that look like to say that the Hear Her campaign was successful or is being successful? Well, you know, it's it's still very young. It's been less than six months, but I think there's there's definitely some some indicators that point to to the impact that the campaign is having. We've had about 160,000 unique visitors to our website downloading materials. Um, We've had over 240,000 page views. We've had about 4,000 downloads of those materials. So so we love that. And also we've had a, a ton of engagement with our Facebook posts. So we see women asking questions. We see um, them really interacting with with our social media channels, either sharing information, responding to information, reaching out to us through our Hear Her inbox to volunteer to share their stories. And then we've also done some media placements. So we've had over 42 million impressions from targeted media buys. And those media buys have led to about 350,000 click-throughs to our website as well. So I feel, you know, we've done a pretty good job with very limited resources of promoting the campaign. We've had significant news media coverage, um, including an interview with Dr. Wanda Barfield, who's our division director on Good Morning America, and also participating in a Turning Point ABC episode um, called Hear Her Voice. I think every time we saw one of those interviews air, we, we would see a spike in interest to our website. 
And then a couple of other things we're really proud of is, you know, we've worked with a variety of state health departments. We were working with ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. We're working with the Preeclampsia Foundation, the March of Dimes, the Surgeon General's Office. I mean, there's, it's such a collaborative campaign. And coming up soon, we were able to recruit Allison Felix who's a U.S. Olympic track and field athlete. She's a mom. She had a baby two years ago, and she experienced a pregnancy-related complication, preeclampsia. So she is our campaign spokesperson, and we're very excited that in the coming months we'll be releasing all the materials and all the campaign assets with her participation. That sounds amazing. Has there been any particular testimonial that you've heard that has just really touched your heart and spoken to how deep and how purposeful this movement is? So when we initially launched, we captured testimonial from five women. We've since added some additional testimonials. But the first time when we went into the studios to record these testimonials, we were in tears when you hear what these women had to experience. And and most of them, what was really um, just soul shattering was that most of the women knew something was wrong. They spoke up, they insisted, and they were ignored. And most, all the women who shared their stories with us um, could have died. There was one story in particular that I just, that just kind of haunted me. Um, Kylie is a vet. She had come, her husband was serving um, when she went into labor. She had preeclampsia. She almost lost her life and her husband was able to come back and be with her. Um, when she delivered, but after she delivered, she had kidney failure and she was on dialysis for a year and she ended up getting a kidney transplant. So, you know, stories like that are just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, as you were recalling that story, it kind of, it makes me remember about, it was a patient that I had had and her husband had been overseas in the services, and she was experiencing complications with her pregnancy, and particularly uh, eclampsia. She had an eclamptic seizure at home, but had disclosed to her husband earlier that that she did not feel well. She was having, you know, headaches and just overall just not feeling well. So he had uh, ended up calling EMS services. Mm-hmm. And they came to her residence, but because she was, had just had a seizure, she wasn't quite with, you know, she hadn't quite come to where she could answer the, their calls. So they had actually initially had left. And because this husband from across the waters knew that there was something not right with his with his wife, he had called them again and and compelled them to you know force entry into her home, which they did, and they were able to get her and transport her to the hospital. But it, I think, it just goes to show you that you know just having that um, sense of intuition and being that being a, a fearless advocate can really you know uh, save lives of 
So I love that. I love the campaign Hear Her because it could really speak to everybody, you know, um, as is intended. I think there is, especially with the racial unrest Mm -hmm. this summer, it kind of brought to reckoning not only what was going on with police brutality, um, but it also uh, shined a light on some of the inequities in in medicine and, and maternal care. And I think in some ways there has been, there's a reckoning that needs to happen, but it kind of, you know, between providers and respectful care for patients. But at the same time, how do we frame the discussion in such a way where providers and patients and families are partners as opposed to adversaries? Because I think that there sometimes is that, um, that there's been a betrayal um, between the medical establishment and and families uh, so that there's like this adversarial relationship. How does, um, how do we overcome that? And is there a role for the campaign in kind of bringing all interested parties together? Yeah, it's a complicated question you asked, obviously, and it doesn't have an easy answer. Um, I do think that the campaign can help because if a patient comes in with more information, one of the things that we've created for the campaign is tip sheets on how to talk to your providers so that instead of just saying, you know, I have a headache, you say, well, I delivered a baby on this date or I'm pregnant and this, you know, many months pregnant. I have a headache that feels like blank, you know, like someone's banging on my head with a hammer or whatever it is. It's been going on for this long. I think giving a provider more information is helpful. You know, providers have all sorts of constraints too on their time. And, um, you know, they come in and someone says, well, I have a headache. But if they come in and say, you know, give them a little more information and say, this feels different. This is scaring me. This does not feel right. That's going to make, you know, the hair on the back of their neck, maybe stand up and pay a little more attention. So I think, you know, it, it, it might be very naive to think that a communications campaign can have that kind of impact, but I do think it can help empower the patient and it can help kind of stop a provider in its tracks and say, okay, this isn't, normal this there's something more there and let's look at it um and i think you know the whole idea with respectful care is is huge and it's it's so important and it goes beyond just the you know it it, and it's not just issues associated with pregnancy related complications it's it's all aspects of maternal health infant health all aspects of health and we need to to just make sure and um and that's a systemic thing that I think we all have a role in addressing and, and speaking up about and raising awareness about because it's, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable anywhere, and it's certainly not acceptable in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. What are some of the, um, I guess, the future goals and visions that you have for this campaign? Mm-hmm. We're, well, we're really excited. As I shared with you earlier, Allison Felix has joined us to help promote the campaign and the important messages that the campaign is raising. And we'll be releasing her materials um, 
soon. You know, she's also competing in the Olympics this summer. So we're really excited by her participation in the Olympics. You know, it'll help amplify the messages of the campaign too. And in the springtime, we'll be conducting some formative work to inform um, some culturally relevant materials for American Indian and Alaska Native communities. We know that those communities are, are very affected as well. And initially, because of, of the resources we had, we weren't able, I mean, we were in COVID, so we had to do everything local and, um, and we did everything in Atlanta. So we didn't have access to doing any formative work with American Indian and Alaska Natives. So we're going to conduct that formative work so that we can develop some material specifically for those communities. So we're very excited about that. And as I mentioned to you earlier, Dr. Lister, we're developing more provider-focused messages and materials as well. So I think, you know, the campaign is a multi-year, multi-strategy effort, and it'll continuously be evolving. We'll continuously integrate learnings from the implementation tactics to refine the messages and to add creative assets. You know, we're, we're constantly going to be telling women in different ways what different warning signs are um, and help empower them to speak to their providers. Definitely, definitely. Have you gotten a feedback uh, that, I guess, gives some kind of metrics of success, whether it's a demonstration of education or decrease in maternal morbidity? Or- so we're going we did a pre-survey before we launched the campaign, an online pre-survey just to assess with pregnant and postpartum women, and we will have a you know after a year. We'll do a post survey to see if we were able to raise awareness. It's very hard, as you know, with a communication campaign to take credit, but we're hoping that because of our very specific messaging around hear her and symptoms and warning signs that we'll be able to tell if we actually had an impact. But other than that, you know, we're just looking at the metrics. We're looking at the visitors to the website. We're looking at, at the impressions we're reaching at the earned media, the engagement on social media. So some of those can be indicators that we're reaching, we're reaching our audience. But I think it's going to be very hard. You know, we just launched in August. We feel very optimistic. I mean, when people like yourself reach out and want to talk about this in a podcast, when ACOG and the March of Dimes reach out and say, can you join us on our monthly calls? I mean, I think those are all indications that there's an interest and a need and that there's a role for this campaign. So we're hoping that those are all good indicators, that the messages are resonating and that they'll hopefully have an effect. Absolutely. I mean, in a perfect world, I think about like, since postpartum is such a, you know, a period in that perinatal window Mm -hmm. that actually is the riskiest for maternal morbidity and mortality. I would love to see that postpartum discharge kind of streamlined to include just kind of standard education with the warning signs uh, so patients and their families can be their best advocates. And there's a lot of attention by ACOG and SMFM that has kind of called out that the traditional postpartum visit is is inadequate mm-hmm. in addressing a mom's needs. I, I look forward to cooperating and collaborating 
and what we can do in Tennessee, you know, to support your efforts. Well, thank you. And I think you bring up a really good point. You know, one postpartum visit six weeks out might not be enough. So I think there's a role here for other providers, maybe for pediatricians who are seeing moms a lot more often postpartum because they're bringing their infants in for their well visits, you know, for an ER doc who may not have top of mind to ask, are you pregnant or have you been recently pregnant? And we know that these maternal deaths can occur up to a year after, after delivery. So I think it's really important to educate other providers. You know, it's not all on the OBGYNs. And I think there's a lot of places and touch points where we can reach women with important information. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get involved with this campaign? So a couple of ways you can be involved on social media. We encourage you to become involved with us, to like us on Facebook. The handle is CDC Hear Her on Facebook. And then we also have a Twitter account for the Division of Reproductive Health, which is at CDC underscore DRH which is Division of Reproductive Health, where we post a lot of content, not just related to the campaign, but there's a lot of hear her campaign information on our Twitter account as well. So we encourage you to follow us on social media. Um, We also would encourage you to visit our website. So our campaign website is cdc.gov, G-O-V, backslash hear her. We have the campaign available in Spanish and in English. And on that site, you will find there's a lot of information about pregnancy-related deaths. There's a lot of information about the urgent maternal warning signs, um, which are featured in the campaign. There's the personal stories from the women who have experienced pregnancy-related complications. And I think, you know, that really drives the importance of this effort home. We have a lot of resources like one-pagers, palm cards, conversation starters that you can print out and take take with you if you're pregnant or you've had a baby that you could take with you to your providers. And there's a lot of graphics there that you can also download and share on your own social media posts. So if you're interested in this topic, you'll find some resources that can help you become involved. But I would encourage everyone, again, to go to our social media pages and our website. And and that's great. And you know what, we will put all of those links in the notes so that all of our listeners can have easy access to the information that you just shared. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I think just to end, if I can just emphasize and remind everyone about the importance of really listening to pregnant and postpartum women when they share concerns. As I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, women know their own bodies and we've heard too many times that they feel dismissed when they share concerns. In our focus groups, especially, we heard, you know, that people brushed off, you know, they told them to accept them as a normal part of pregnancy or as a normal part of recently having a baby. So we know that when that happens, many women may be hesitant to ask questions or speak up. Right. So again, we really, really encourage family, friends, providers to really listen because we know that two thirds of deaths could be prevented. Absolutely. And that speaks to a lot of a lot of the emphasis really needing to be on educating providers as well as to what their own 
personal biases may be um, in the context of their experiences and to really streamline and have objective checklists. You know, when a patient comes in for a specific complaint, that this is really the workup that needs to be done and and really kind of streamlining that. I know in a work has been done with the California initiatives where there's actually a flow document when a patient has come with a specific complaint that the workup should be pretty standardized. And I think that that has the potential to kind of eliminate uh, some of those personal biases if, if we have those toolkits and resources that are accessible. One more thing I think is important. You were asking about the causes of maternal deaths. I don't don't know. um, You know, there's a lot of preeclampsia, infections, hemorrhages. But one thing that I also want to remind is that mental health is, is so important. And I think a lot of new moms, you know, and I have two kids of my own. I think once the baby comes, a lot of the focus turns to the baby. Right, definitely. And you kind of forget about the mom. And so just kind of a reminder to really take care of the mom as well. To, and, and if you're the mom, to take care of yourself. You know, you'll be better able to take care of your baby and, and anyone else in your household if you're taking care of yourself. And not that's not just physically, but mental. Your mental health as well is so, so very important. And that there are a lot of resources if you feel you need support um, to reach out and get the support you need. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, stigma Mm -hmm. with mental health that I think as a, as a community, we just really need to work on eliminating those stigmas because it's, it's so prevalent and it complicates, at least in Tennessee, it complicates. I think about a third of our maternal deaths are complicated with mental health. So I think it's, it's so important. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, there's no shame in asking for help. Right, definitely. Always so. And and there's always someone to help out, even if you feel very alone and overwhelmed. Um, you can always, if you ask for help, someone will always step up. Yeah. Well, so great to um, uh, have had you, Jackie. And thank you so much for sharing with us this powerful campaign that I think has the ability to be far-reaching. Thank you to our listeners, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.